Okay, if you would take your Bible this morning and turn to Hebrews chapter 9 once again. Hebrews chapter 9. And I'm going to read kind of a lengthy passage. I'm going to read, start at verse 23, and I'm going to read through chapter 10 and verse 18 of the book of Hebrews. So Hebrews chapter 9, verse 23. The Bible says, It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, that is, the blood of bulls and goats, they were the patterns of things in heaven. They weren't the things in heaven, but the patterns. Talking about the tabernacle on earth. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are figures of the true, but into heaven itself now appeared a presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. Unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. For then will they not have ceased to offer it, because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come, and the volume of the book that is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering, and burnt offerings, and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies should be made of his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Wherefore the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, For after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word. We thank you that we have... Your written word preserved for us in our own language that we can study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I pray that you'd help me to rightly divide the word of truth this morning. I pray that you'd give us ears to hear, hearts to obey. And I pray, Father, that you'd help me to bring forth the word of God in clarity, in the power of the demonstration, the power of the Spirit. 
And I pray that you be glorified. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've talked about the message this morning from chapter 10, verse 1. Forsaking the shadows for the reality. Forsaking the shadows for the reality. You know, if you try to run away from your shadow, it will follow you wherever you go. You know, the Bible says here in Hebrews 10.1 that the law is a shadow of good things to come. And the only way to get rid of your shadow is to go to the source of light, which creates your shadow. You know, God created the law with a purpose. That we might come to the law, come to the law, and that he, by the law, may reveal to us our need of a Savior. Our need of salvation to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Galatians 3, 23 and 24 says, But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith which should afterwards be revealed. We were kept under the shadow, you might say. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. You know, therefore, if you have repented, if not repented of your sin, and come to Christ for salvation, you're still trusting in the shadows. You're still in the shadows. And the law, with all its weakness, which is the flesh, the weakness of the flesh, again, the law was not meant to save us, but to show us our need of salvation. And so we're to forsake the shadows for the reality or the fulfillment of those shadows or those types. And this was the problem or the difficulty that these Jewish believers were having. They were under uh, you know, duress and stress and persecution and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, climate duress at this time as well. There was a, a famine in that area of the world at this time. Uh, Acts tells us about that. And so there was a great uh, stress on the, the, the church there at Jerusalem. So they were tempted, and because of the persecution of, 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 uh, from the Jews and the Romans, they were tempted to go back to the law, to try and ease up. And, 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 and you know, that they didn't feel like, you know, they're sort of like Job. God, I know you're there, but where are you? Where are you? There don't seem to be any relief. And, you know, sometimes... The world, with its pressures, with its afflictions, with, with the peer pressure it puts on us, sometimes you may feel like, God, where are you? I mean, it seems like all the world is prospering. And those who name the name of Christ but have been departed from biblical truth, they seem to be prospering too. And here I am trying to hold the line, trying to keep the faith. Do you ever wonder? But these, you know, the, the key word, of course, in the book of Hebrews is better. And uh, it's used, I think, 12 times in this book. Uh, only used 20 sometimes in the entire New Testament. But, so the writer is encouraging, look, we have something better. We need to forsake the shadows. The law is a shadow. We have something better in Christ. So I noticed several things from these parts of these two chapters this morning. First of all, the better covenant of Christ, and we find this in verses 23 through 28, and we'll look at several things concerning that. And what he does is compare the Old Testament sacrifices with the sacrifice of Christ. So he's comparing the life that Christ gives with the life that now is, that 
In other words, the life of the flesh. And so we'll notice three things here. First of all, the contrast of the earthly temple or tabernacle with the heavenly. Verses 23 and 24 says, It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. Now he's talking about, in the preceding verses, talking about, uh, in verse 19, for example, the blood of calves and of goats. And so the things of the patterns, the, that the patterns of things in the heavens, in other words, the things on earth that were made after the pattern that the Lord showed uh, uh, Moses, we find that in chapter 8, verse 5, where he's instructed, See, saith he, thou make all things according to the pattern showed thee in the mount. So there's a, there's, a, there's a tabernacle in heaven and a mercy seat in heaven, and God instructed Moses to make a tabernacle on earth, a mercy seat on earth, uh, 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 like the one in heaven, and so he says, the 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 one here that's made after the pattern in heaven would be purified with these things. That is the blood of bulls and goats. So the earthly was cleansed with earthly things. You know, even the temple that Solomon built, it was it was cleansed with earthly things, blood of bulls and of goats, and he, Moses sprinkled all the people. And all the instruments with the blood of earthly things. Because it was just an image that is made in the likeness of the tabernacle in heaven. But the tabernacle in heaven, the heavenly tabernacle, is with better, notice the, the word with better sacrifices than these, the end of verse 23 there, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. So again, it was better, that is, it was, a better sacrifice, the blood of a sinless man, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you notice in verse 24, he says, For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. So this tabernacle that he talked about here in heaven was not made with defiled hands, nor was it cleansed with the blood of an animal, earthly things, or an earthly man but with a sinless man, with better sacrifices than these. You know, 1 Corinthians 15, 47, 48 says, The first man is earth, of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. So, so the, you know, we're talking about the old covenant and the new. The old covenant was built with earthly hands. It was cleansed with earthly things, earthly sacrifices. When we come to the new covenant, the New Testament, it was cleansed with better sacrifices than these. That is the blood of a sinless Man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and it, was, it, was, it was better. The difference between the two is, you know, those were offered continually. This was offered once. It was offered once. Notice verses 25 to 28. Yet, nor yet, that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, hath he appeared, but put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men, once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, 
And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So, you know, you know the Old Testament, of course, the earthly tabernacle, they had, to, they had to do it every year. But he says this was offered once. Now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away the sin by the sacrifice of himself. That word once is used three times here in these four verses. It's used 15 times in the New Testament. Eight of those times it's in the book of Hebrews. And it means once. One time. One time. You see, this sacrifice is the sacrifice of sacrifices. This is a sacrifice that's one of its kind. It's of the one who is one of a kind. You know, in John 3.16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And that only begotten means one of a kind. He is unique. He is different. Though He became a man like unto us, yet He is different than us. Because He's also God. He is the anointed, the Christ, the Messiah. He is the Son of God and the Son of Man. And so, so this, this, this sacrifice is a better sacrifice. It only needed to be offered once. Once was sufficient. But to go back to the law, you know, to go back to the law and the Old Testament sacrifices was to consider Jesus' sacrifice ineffective. It's really stating that He's a man just like us. Sort of like a lot of people today regard him as a historical figure. But you know, a historical Jesus will not save anyone. Because he's not just a historical figure. He's the eternal son of God. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice secondly, the sacrifices of the law were not given to save, but were shadows. And we find this in Hebrews chapter 10. And we'll look at several things here. First of all, the blood of animals can never take away sins. We see that very clearly in verses 1 through 4. For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. In other words, if they could make him perfect, then they could be, then you could quit offering. But they couldn't make him perfect. Because that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscious sin. See, every time you'd offer an animal, and next year you feel guilty again. Because an animal blood cannot take away your sin. Verse 3 says, but in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible but a bulls and of goats should take away sins. Now think about this a little bit. Number one, you know, think about this. Sin is not an animal problem. But a man problem. Look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. <clears throat> and I'm going to... 
answer why animals' blood cannot take away sin. Well, sin is not an animal problem. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for they all have sin. See, sin didn't come in through the world through animals. It came into the world by man's rebellion against God, against God's command. And thereby, all creation, even the animals, are affected. Look at chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verse 20. For the creature, and that word creature there means the aggregate of irrational creatures, both animate and inanimate, what we call nature. So the mass of all creation. So we could say that we, we might say it this way, for all creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Who subjected creation to the curse of sin? It was man. It was man. We'd see that in Romans 5.12. You know, consider before man's sin, there were no predators. You know, now we... You know, see it online all the time. We have this next door, next door thing on our email, and you know, people writing there, and they're constantly people writing about worried about their cats because of the coyotes, or their their little dogs because. Or there was a picture of one the other day where where a, a lady was out with her little little puppy, and and a, and a hawk came down and almost got that thing. You know, we're worried about predators. There's predators everywhere. Do you realize there was no predators before the fall? There was harmony. Within all of creation, there was no death. But all of creation, as we see it now, is under the curse of sin. Can that which is under the curse of sin atone for sin? Can an animal that is an irrational creature atone for the sins of man, a man that can reason and is made in the image of God? Therefore, he says... The blood of animals could never take away sin. Second, we see God was never, now this may shock you, but God was never pleased with animal sacrifices. Now notice verses 5 through 10 of chapter 10. It says, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifice of sins thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come. And these, these are really a quotation of the Lord Jesus himself. Lo, I come in the volume of the book that is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings for, and offerings for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that is the, the Old Testament covenant, that he may establish the second, that is the New Testament covenant. Uh, but we, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So God was never pleased with animal sacrifice. It was not the animal, the sacrifice of the animal that pleased God. Now two times, and you notice in these five or six verses here, two times it says in verse 5 and verse 8, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. In other words, God wasn't, and, and it really means the same thing as verses 6 and 8. It, may, it uses this phrase it, that he, uh, where he says in verse 6, uh, and sin that has had no pleasure. Again in verse 8, 
uh, neither has pleasure therein which are offered by the law. And it really means, the widow's not pleased the same thing. It, God wasn't pleased or satisfied with animal sacrifices. So why do you ask for them? Why do you ask for them? That is a good question. Really, what God is saying here to us is this. I never liked animal sacrifices. I find no satisfaction of justice for man's sin in an animal sacrifice. So why were they commanded? They were commanded to demonstrate that sin causes death. And they were shadows and types of the sacrifice that was to come. Sin causes death. You know, we ought to be reminded every time. You, know, you may have a pet, a dog or a cat that you love. But what's going to happen to it eventually? It's going to die. Do you know why it dies? Because of the curse of sin. You know who brought the curse of sin into the world? Go look in the mirror. It's us. We brought the curse of sin into the world. Should animals atone for our sin? God was never pleased with that. You see, it was not the sacrifices offered by the Old Testament saints that pleased God. It was the attitude and the condition of the heart with which the sacrifice was brought. Now notice, follow me here. Notice verse 7. Then said I, lo, I come, and the volume of the book is written to me. I'm sorry. Yeah, verse 7. Volume of the book is written to me to do thy will, O God. Verse 5 says, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body. Now, you know, two times he says, he, you know, he talks about a body, and two times he says, I come to do thy will, O God, by the which will we are sanctified. What the Lord is trying to, what the, the, the Scripture is trying to tell us here, what God is pleased with us is that we willingly give ourselves. We come with a broken See, God wasn't looking for animal sacrifices. He was looking for a sacrifice that was willingly. You know, animals didn't have any choice in it. They didn't give it willingly. It was the man who brought the sacrifice that was to give it willingly with a broken heart. See, God wasn't pleased with the sacrifice itself. What he's pleased with was a broken and a contrite heart. Psalm 51, verse 17. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. He said, I have no pleasure in sacrifices and burnt offerings. So you put all those phrases together, a body to do thy will, what you really have is a body that is willing to do thy will by dying to itself. And this is what the psalmist said in Psalm 51. 
David, after it's really a psalm of his repentance after his sin, in Psalm 51, verses 16 and 17, he says, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. You see, you can give a sacrifice. You can give sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice without a yield and a broken heart. And you know what? That's what they were doing. That's what the Pharisees were doing. They were bringing their offerings. They were tithing, rue and mint and all these things. But they didn't have broken hearts. They weren't willing to accept the truth. Their hearts weren't working before God. Their wills weren't yielded to God. But they were bringing their sacrifices. They were like, well, just tell me what else I need to do and I'll do it, you know. But there was no heart. It was broken. Poor God. See, the true saint of the Old Testament, when he brought, it was not about the sacrifice he gave, but it was about his offense before God. It was about a broken will. See, David's will was broken over his sin. That's why he said, sacrifice and offering, thou, thou wouldst not, or else I would give it. But a broken, a contrite. That word, actually... You know, the word broken and contrite really means the same thing, except contrite is more severe than broken. It means to be literally beaten to pieces. You know, the question we need to ask ourselves is, do we really come to God with an open mind, willing to accept whatever He says, whatever He commands, no matter what it is, no matter what it costs me, I'm willing to do it. You know, Cain brought offerings. He worked hard. Saul brought offerings. He offered sacrifices. But his will wasn't broken. No, he justified himself. It was not about a surrendered will. You see, a surrendered will never justifies itself. And you know, one of the things David said in that psalm in Psalm 51, he says that thou wilt be justified when thou judgest. Lord, no matter what, the consequences for this sin is that I have done, I deserve it. And I'm willing to accept it. I'm willing to accept it. See, God was never pleased with animal sacrifices. What he was looking for in those people when they brought their sacrifices was a broken will, a surrendered will. But notice thirdly, the sacrifice that is reality and pleases God. And we find this in Hebrews chapter 10, 
verses 7 through 18. We'll look at several things here. First of all, it's a sacrifice to the perfect will of God. Again, verse 7 and verse 9. Then said I, Lo, I come, and the volume of the book is written of me. So in the whole Bible, the whole volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Then again in verse 9, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, God. He take away at the first, that he may establish the second. So in the whole volume of the Bible, what you find is, everything that the Word of God says about Christ, he was submitted to. Do you realize Psalms 22 describes his death? Isaiah 53 describes his death, and he submitted to it willingly. He said, I have power to lay down my life. I have power to take again. No man taketh my life from me. He wasn't martyred. He gave his life. He came to do thy will. There is no one, I don't believe there's anyone who can really totally say, I came to do thy will, O God, perfectly except the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says about him, Matthew 3, 17, Lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Again, in Matthew 17, 5, While as he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. His own testimony, John 8, 29, He that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. In John 12, verse 28, Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it and I will glorify, and will glorify it again. You know, he came with one purpose in mind, and it was to do thy will. Which means giving his body as a sacrifice for sin. We know in Luke 22, in verse 44, 42, he said, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And Isaiah 53, 10, 11 says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. God was never satisfied with the blood of bulls and goats, but with his sacrifice, he is satisfied. And by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. You see, this sacrifice performed the perfect, and it was a living sacrifice that gave his life. He performed the perfect will of God. He was not only a perfect sinless sacrifice, he was a willing sacrifice. And that's what God's looking at for from us. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable 
service. God doesn't ask unreasonable things. The father didn't ask to the son that which he could not do. Was it, was it something that pleased him to do or that was, that was a joy to do? No, but he did it willingly. We also see that his sacrifice was complete. Verses 10 through 14. It says, by the which will, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standing daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifice which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Again, we have once for all, verse 10. We have one sacrifice for sins forever, verse 12. We have him sat down, speaks of the work is finished. He is done. Verse 14 says, he hath perfected forever. That word perfected forever means to bring to an end goal, to that which was proposed, to make one meet for future entrance on this state and give him a sure hope of it even here on earth. You see, he is perfected forever. He's given us a sure hope through his his, through his sacrifice, he's given us a sure hope, even while here on earth, that we have our sins forgiven, that we have a home in heaven, that we have a salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, but of animals and goats couldn't do that. Like, look at chapter 9, verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? In other words, the word purge here means to free from the guilt of sin to purify. See, what the blood of bulls and of goats could not do, and it couldn't purge the conscience, Christ's sacrifice can purge the conscience or give us freedom from guilt. We, we find this kind of described for us in Romans 8, in cha- uh, verses 1 through 4, where he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. But what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending in His own Son the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You see, the law was weak because the flesh couldn't keep it. That was the weakness of the law. Nothing wrong with the law. It was the flesh. But Christ fulfilled the righteousness of the law on my behalf. On your behalf. Therefore, we are free from the condemnation of the law. We're free from the guilt of sin. We have been purged. Our conscience has been purged. Again, in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 15 through 18, he speaks about this. Wherefore the Holy Ghost also is witness to us, for after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities that will I remember no more. 
Now, a remission of these is, there's no more offering for sin. You see, the Holy Spirit bears witness to our spirit that we are the sons of God, that we are cleansed from sin, that we are forgiven for all of our sin, that we are free from condemnation. It is in our hearts because the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. And God no longer holds our sin and iniquities against us. Because they were placed on our Lord Jesus Christ when he died. Do you realize that your sin was forgiven 2,000 years ago? You didn't receive it 2,000 years ago. But it was done. The penalty was paid. The sacrifice was complete. You see, the sacrifice of Christ is so complete, it purges our conscience. You know, if we are born again, we shouldn't walk around feeling guilty. Like we're under condemnation. Because we're not. We're not. You know, all my sin, past, present, and future, was forgiven on the cross of Christ. At the cross of Christ. Now, my fellowship with the Lord, my daily walk with the Lord can be hindered. But the payment for my sin is a done deal. It's a done deal. And the Holy Spirit should bear witness. If we are saved, if we, have, if we know the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the Bible says we have the Spirit of God and dwells us, and He bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. If we're sons, we're joint heirs. We're in the family of God. He bears witness with our spirit. What's that mean? He gives us assurance that we have eternal life. Now, do you ever sin? Do I ever sin? Yeah, I do. Do I know it? Yeah. Do I think I do, do do I think I lost my salvation when I sinned? No. I know I have it. But I also know I need to get right with God. What's happening? The spirit itself is bearing witness with my spirit. That's evidence. That's assurance of salvation. He says, I said again in verse 16, I will put my law into their hearts. You know, the word of God is his law. And when we get saved, he, he gives us a desire to, to, to uh, uh, 
read and fellowship with Him and study His Word, and He puts His, His law in our hearts, and so it's in there so that the Spirit of God can bring it to our minds and bear witness to our spirit that we are His sons and are His daughters. And so when we do sin, He's going to bring it to mind that we are. It's in our hearts. You know, this all comes about by what I talked about a little bit earlier. The example of Christ being a willing sacrifice. You know, if we're going to have the Spirit of God in our hearts, if we're going to have assurance of this salvation, we have to be, we have to be uh, a willing to surrender our life, a living sacrifice for Him. That's really what repentance is. You know, is your will surrendered to the Lord? Is your will broken before God? Or are you still in the shadows, relying on yourself? Having the attitude, well, if I just do a little more, if I just do a little, little bit, if I'm just a little bit better. You know, I've had people say, well, well, I need to straighten up my life, and then I'll get right. No, you need to surrender your life to the Lord, and God will straighten it out. God will write His law in your hearts if your heart is surrendered to Him. His Spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you are the Son of God. But we have to accept that once and for all sacrifice for sin. And we accept it when we, like Christ, say, I'll yield to your will. He's not just a historical Jesus. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you willing to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, Jesus said, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? There are many who call Jesus their Savior. But their lives live in contradictions to the having the law of God written in their hearts. And Jesus said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. For many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied thy name? Have we not done many wonderful works? But then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. See, the question is, are we willing to surrender our life to the Lord. To be that living sacrifice. Put our trust and our confidence completely in Him. And not lean on the works of the flesh. You see those Old Testament, or those Hebrews were thinking about going back and leaning on the flesh. 
And our writer says, no. You'll be, you're lost. If you're leaning on the flesh, you're lost. There's one sacrifice for sin, and it's forever. It's once for all. You need to trust and yield to him.